before I had my kids, I just kind of envisioned how I thought that it would go. It wasn't this rigid birth plan that was color-coded and had a bunch of steps to it, but apparently I had been subconsciously storing other people's birth stories in my mind, and I thought that I had a really clear vision of what birthing a baby looked like. And to some degree, I think that everyone is like that. Unfortunately, there are a lot of mums out there who experience very traumatic births and leave the hospital feeling an immense amount of guilt and confusion about what they just went through. That's what today's Messy Mama Spotlight episode is all about, birth trauma. Taylor is an incredible mom who was left sitting in the NICU for a week while her son Bowen's brain bleed and skull fractures were being closely monitored and they waited to find out if he also had brain damage from the trauma that he had faced during his birthing experience. Okay, mamas, let's go chat. Hey moms, I'm Taryn, and I'm sure I'm not alone when I say that motherhood is a lot harder than I expected it to be. Of course I knew that there would be long sleepless nights and that my adorable baby would soon turn into a snack-obsessed toddler, but I wasn't prepared for the really hard stuff that isn't always talked about. The long NICU stays that we had, the mom guilt, or the constant worry as to whether or not I'm raising my kids to be kind, independent, and compassionate. Here at the Messy Mama Pod, my goal is to not only make you feel like you aren't alone, but to truly show you. You're going to be hearing from some incredible moms who are rising through some really difficult times in motherhood, and from guests who have made it their mission to spread awareness and education to make motherhood a little bit more joyful and inclusive. I live off of dry shampoo, and it is a complete guess as to whether my kids even have clothes on right now. So, if you're anything like me, welcome to the mess. And remember, messy can be beautiful. This week's sponsor is a super fun husband and wife duo called Vintage Timber. This Canadian couple started their small shop in 2018 with the hope of bringing decor and children's items into homes at affordable prices, which is something that I'm sure all of us mamas can appreciate. Their woodwork is seriously beautiful, you guys. They offer a variety of pieces, including toddler stands, blanket ladders, pickler triangles for your kids to climb on, and a lot more just decorative, really fun pieces. I really love their ability to turn functional kids' equipment like the toddler towers or the climbing triangles into really beautiful, elegant, rustic pieces that just genuinely look nice in your home. If you want to check it out for yourself or grab one of these super nice pieces for you or your kiddos, you can find them on Instagram at Vintage Timber or by heading over to Facebook and searching their name there. Hey, Taylor, thank you so much for being here. I am really excited for this. I mean, you and I have just been sitting here chatting for a while, um, and it just makes me very grateful that you're here. And I think that, you know, the Messy Mama community and everybody listening is going to not only get a lot of value, but just a lot of inspiration from you about advocating for yourself. So let's just dive in. So thank you so much for coming. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited. I seriously love the community that you've created and just everything that you're doing on Instagram and love the podcast so much. So I'm really excited to have this conversation with you. Oh, that's perfect. Let's start with um, your family because you have like the sweetest little family. So tell us about you guys, what you do, that sort of thing. Um, So I'm Taylor. I am a teacher. I actually just graduated in 2018 and I had my first teaching job and then I got pregnant with my son Bowen. He's 11 months old, 
I'm married to my husband, Jeremy. He is a accountant. Um, we started dating in high school. Oh my gosh. In grade four. Oh so, my gosh. <laughs> yeah. So we've known each other for forever. And yeah, so that's a little bit about us. That is so cool. I'm always jealous of high school sweethearts. Like if I could go back and like implant my husband into my high school, like, yep, I, I would be, <laughs> that would be my dream. <laughs> it's very nice. It really is. It's, it's cool to say that we like grew up together and like been through everything together. So totally. It's cute. I like it. <laughs> yeah. Story to tell. Totally. I so agree with that. So you advocate like you have started advocating so hard for your story. Um, we're talking about birth trauma. And I think that um, it's so important to have moms like you who are willing to advocate about this. Um, because I think that it just opens the doors for other moms. And one thing that you said before, when we were just chatting, you said that, you know, sharing it is sometimes really hard. And sometimes it feels repetitive, which is something that I can really relate to. Um, but you said that you find a lot of healing in it. Yeah. And I'm really glad for that. Because I think that it, you know, traumatic births are are way more common than we think. Oh, unfortunately. Yes. Um, so let's start with your pregnancy. Because I think that I mean, obviously, it all starts there. Well, it yeah. doesn't all start there. Yeah. But <laughs> we get there at one point. Sure. Um, so was what was your pregnancy like? Um, Honestly, it wasn't great, but there was nothing like out of the ordinary. So I was sick the whole time, really uncomfortable, things like that, but like nothing wrong, nothing bad or scary. So like just pretty normal. Yeah. Did you have a birth plan in mind going into it? Were you like, I feel like you and I are teachers, so we're like, okay, yeah. you know what? We're going to, like, plan this out, and things are oh. just going to go, like, tickety-boo here. Yeah. Was that you? Oh, yes. So, like, the thing about me is I have, like, really, really terrible anxiety. So mm. the way that I cope with that is research and reading and, like, everything. So I would stay up, like, so late just reading everything, like, reading blogs, reading forums, reading like everything, everything you could mm-hmm. think of. And I took three different prenatal classes. Um, so just like trying to fill myself with as much knowledge as I could, because frankly, I was just scared of birth. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, so basically, I followed the main plan of like, as long as everyone is happy and healthy, whatever happens is okay. Mm-hmm. So I didn't necessarily have like a, oh, I want to have a natural birth. I want to do this. I want to do this. But I just wanted to like go into it open-minded about like, you know what I mean? Like just be yes positive and hope that good things would come. And if I needed an epidural, then I could get one. If not, then cool. Just like kind of feel it out as I go. Yeah. So, I love that. Yeah. I love that you said just like open-minded. Now, something that is... I'm kind of wondering with you heading into this because your birth is very traumatic. Have you had past experiences with um, like healthcare at all that would maybe aid in you having anxiety with that? Literally none. Like, okay. That's kind of the scary thing as well, because my doctor is the same doctor that delivered me. So she was my mom's. No way. Yeah. So I've had the same doctor my entire life. So I've and like she's amazing like I love her so much so 
I haven't had any negative experiences with healthcare at all. And I actually haven't really seen any other doctor besides her Mm. until she stopped um, delivering babies. So I, at 30 weeks, she had to send me a referral to an OB. So that was my first kind of experience, like dealing with another physician, especially in like such a sensitive way. You know, totally. it's not just like a normal checkup, like yeah. you're dealing with some hardcore stuff. So that was kind of scary, but. And you're at the point at 30 weeks, you're at the point in your pregnancy, I feel like where you're starting to really prep for it. For like sure. shit's kind of getting real yeah. at this point. Yeah. So did you have conversations with, was it that OB then that you were referred to that ended up delivering Bowen? No, it was the okay. OB on call that ended up delivering him. Okay. So did you talk with your OB like. I've never been in that situation. I've never got to, like, I've never prepped in the last 10 weeks. So what was that like? Did you talk with your OB and they're like, okay, this is what could happen. This is, you know, was that a conversation? Honestly, like the only conversation I had with her was like Bowen was quite large. So at like 34 weeks, she ordered another ultrasound to make sure that everything was okay. I had to take the gestational diabetes test again, even though I passed it originally. But because he was measuring so big, she was nervous. But basically, like, we had no, like, conversations about how birth could go besides the fact that um, if I went overdue, she might consider inducing me. Okay. Because of the fact that he was big. But that was basically our only conversations about it. She did explain to me that she, the way that her office works is that she isn't necessarily going to be the one that delivers Bowen. Um, because usually that's only if you have a family doctor, your family doctor will come with you like in the middle of the night. You can call your family doctor and say, Hey, I'm in labor, whatever. But with them, they kind of like rotate through. So she might not be on that week. You know what I mean? Right. Okay. Yeah, totally. I knew that there was a chance that she wouldn't be there. Okay. But makes sense. That was kind of my only option since they explained that's kind of just how it always is with OBs. So Right. Yeah. So you're heading into delivery, just feeling like it's probably going to be like any other woman who delivers a baby. Right. So how did you go into delivery? Like, what did you go into delivery or sorry, into labor at home? And then Um, you went to the hospital Were you induced? Yeah. So basically, I had my 39 week appointment. And at that appointment, she asked me if she wanted if I wanted her to check my cervix. And because I'm a person that's filled with anxiety, my thought process was, I think I should do it just because it'll be one less thing of, sorry, that I don't have to worry about. Mm -hmm. Like, like I have that fear of it happening. And if I have it happening in the comfort of her office, then it's just like one less thing, you know, something that I've never experienced before. So she told me that like, no matter what, if I was at one centimeter, if I was at five centimeters, it could mean nothing. Like, it Mm. just kind of depends. So knowing that I still agreed to do it just because of, you know, my anxiety, I thought that it would be helpful for me. And when she did it, it was like, unbelievable pain. And I didn't know if that was normal. Because once again, I'd never had this done before. And I had called my mom after and my mom said, I bet you she swept your membranes without telling you. And my mom said this the day that this happened. And I was like, 
well, maybe, but like, I don't think that's a thing. Like, I don't think that's allowed to happen. So maybe not, but whatever. It hurt so bad. So I'm like, it could be. So the next day I had actually, so this was like in the afternoon, late afternoon. The next day I had woken up and I had lost my mucus plug. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay, that's, it was like a little bit shocking because I had had such a normal pregnancy and just to like see that you're like, what the hell is going on? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Something is happening. (laughs) This is something, I don't know what is happening. So I, um, yeah, I was freaked out and I just like knew like something like this is going to happen soon. And I was freaked out. I called my husband. He was at work and I was like, can you please come home? I'm just so scared. And he was like, no, you're fine. (laughs) And so he just told me to have a nap. I had a nap, woke up from the nap, went to go pee as you do when you're pregnant every 10 minutes. Yeah. And as soon as I stood up, it was just like gush of water, like, which was weird because it was like the movies. And I don't really know anyone that like has had their water break. Like most people I know, they're like, oh, I had to get my water broken by the doctor like you know yeah yeah totally it was a little shocking but yeah so then when that happened I was also confused because I didn't have any contractions so usually they're like the two go hand in hand you know what I'm saying yeah I called labor and delivery and they told me to come in but they were sure that I just peed my pants and it was just like I don't know it just it felt like degrading because Like, I know my body well enough to know that, like, I didn't just pee my pants, you know? Yeah. And, like, it was a constant flow. Like, it just... And who even knew that that much came out? Like, honestly, I I know. Seriously. (laughs) I know. That's totally one of those things that you're like, why didn't anyone tell me about this? Like... It's, like, it's absurd. It is actually absurd. So you just assume that it's just going to be, like, one and done type thing. But, like, dang, it just kept going. (laughs) But, like... So they told me to come in, whatever. And so my husband got home. We went to the hospital. And right away, they had a bed for me. They checked me. And the nurse was still convinced that I had just peed my pants, <laughs> even though I was, like, like actually pouring out. And she could see it. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, it was just bad. But so, like, the beginning of me being, like, okay, this is, like, like birth isn't fun. <laughs> like, I knew it wasn't going to be, but, like, this was the beginning where she literally took my pad and wrung it out in between my legs onto like a Petri dish and like said that she needed to test it to make sure that it wasn't pee. And it was just like, like it was just overwhelming. Like, you know what I mean? It's just yeah, these things that are just like dehumanizing where you don't know that this is going to happen. And then it's just a lot. It's overwhelming. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So Still no contractions. They didn't believe me that my water had broken because I had no contractions. And then she tested it. She's like, yep, that was your membranes. But you're not. <laughs> you're like, yeah, hello. Yeah. <laughs> Told you that a million times. Yeah. Um, but yeah, she's like, you're not in labor. So you have two options. So my options were to go home and wait to see if contractions would start on their own or go right now and get induced and have this baby and because I research a million and ten things I know that like inductions can lead to things being worse you know what I mean like yeah it can be more painful it can lead to other interventions and it's just like not what I wanted yeah so I was like well I'll go home 
like pray that these contractions start and like try and sleep try and whatever which is a huge joke like as if I would ever go to sleep yeah (laughs) right (laughs) (laughs) but yeah and they had told me that um because my um water had broken you have 24 hours to deliver the baby oh that's right yeah or else you can risk like an infection of some sort and like I don't really remember what it's called but like Things like that. Just kind of anxiety-inducing things. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. So we decided to go home. I didn't sleep at all. Contractions did not start. But we made the plan to be back by noon. Um, my water had broken at 4 o'clock. I think I, I don't know if I said that. But um, so noon would give me like four hours to birth him. and Right. By that 24-hour mark. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. So, Yeah. labor never started on its own that's a long story to get to that but that's what happened (laughs) yeah so then you so you show back up at the hospital you're like hello again it's me um and so your only option at that point would be to get induced correct yeah okay so I didn't have the option of like waiting any longer like yeah I had to do it and like when I left the previous day they told me that when I came back in they would have like they'd be ready for me like I'd be checked in things would be easy. And when I got there, I told them like, I was here yesterday, my water broke. I'm here now to get induced. And they said, okay, we don't have any beds ready for you. So you need to wait in the waiting room. So Jeremy and I were like, okay, whatever it is, what it is. So we sat in the waiting room and waited and waited and waited for hours, like hours and hours and hours. And it was just like the most ridiculous mind game of like, you know, like you're waiting to know that this like most like the the thing that you're like most scared of in the world (laughs) is going to happen to you yeah and it's just like it was overwhelming having like the nurses just like laughing like just living their normal life and like life goes on while yours feels like it's like not (laughs) oh gosh girl yeah yeah and like I put myself in your situation. You're sitting there being like, okay, we have X amount of hours yes. until I could get an infection. Like, yeah, that's a big deal exactly. to me. Help me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So we had told the nurses that like multiple times being like, okay, well, like we've been sitting here for a couple hours now. Is there any way that we can go in because of this infection thing? And they kept saying, oh, it's fine. Don't worry about it. We're like, okay, but like we are worried about it because we were told yeah. to worry about it. Yeah. And now you're saying don't worry about it. And we just, we are. So it was a lot of waiting. And finally at like three, it had been three hours of us sitting in that waiting room. They, I had just like completely broke down and had like full on panic attack. And like between all that was happening and like people were texting Jeremy being like, what's happening? Have you gone in yet? Like, has she started? Do they know that the baby's going to get an infection? The baby's going to be sick. You need to hurry up and tell them like, it was just overwhelming because we couldn't do anything. Like you have no control, you know? percent. Yeah, yeah. So it was scary. But finally at three hours when I had that panic attack, the nurse, I think she realized like, oh, this girl's like losing her marbles right now. Like <laughs> we need to do something here. So she. And that's. Sorry. Sorry, I was just going to say that's one of the really hard things. And I experienced that too. Like you meet some absolute, like some phenomenal nurses. Yes. Like there are some incredible nurses, but one of the hardest things is being dismissed Yes. because 
it's your body. It's your baby. Like you said, you know your body. And when you're dismissed like that, it is like you, you use the word dehumanizing. Yeah. I cannot relate to that more. Mm-hmm. And it's frustrating. And actually one of the things, sorry to go a little bit of a sidebar, but yeah, one of the things, um, there was a, like a student nurse doing her practicum or whatever they call it in the nursing world. And the senior nurse said, this is a second time mom. We trust, like we trust what she says. Mm -hmm. And I was kind of like, oh, thanks. But then I started thinking about it and I'm like, they didn't believe me my first with Tate when I was saying, okay, he's coming. I like, I'm not pushing what my body is until I said, okay, I'm literally going to shit my pants. And then it was like a red flag. But I just felt like at the time I was like, Oh, wow, thank you. Like, you're gonna believe me. But then I'm just like, what about all the first time moms like you and me who are saying, okay, help, there's something happening. And you are dismissed. Totally. Yeah, that's That's the scariest thing for sure. Like, especially because you put all of your trust into these Mm -hmm. people, because you have no idea what you're doing, honestly, like, and like, that's the issue is they know that you don't know what you're doing. So they dismiss everything you say. But it's just, it's so, it's so hard. And like, that is just like a running routine in our whole birth story is just being dismissed and being told that you don't know, you know? And like, it's, it's sad because the more people I talk to, the more I hear that that is the same thing that happened with them is just being dismissed and being told they don't know their body and they don't know what's happening. So you need to listen to them. Yeah. So because know. they're the professionals yeah. and rightfully so you've been yeah, to school exactly. you've been through this you've helped deliver babies before totally, yeah but there's a nice way like a polite way to do it yeah right and I think that that's just like goes back to like morals be kind exactly. like be kind to people yeah and like inform people like don't just mm. don't just tell them what you think like give me a reason why I can't like why you're not letting me go into the room right now because they're telling me that it's fine like you're telling me it's fine but I was told it wasn't fine yeah so tell me oh it's actually fine because of this like don't just tell me oh it's fine like don't worry about it you know like educate me a little bit so I feel better like I don't know what I'm doing (laughs) I love that yeah that's why I love like another little sidebar here but Rosalind she is like a mom coach and she's a delivery nurse and she says that all the time she's like education is power and nurses like she has she is a nurse and she says, it's our job to make you feel safe. Totally, And yeah. I just, I love that so much. Yeah. Yeah. I really wish that's the attitude of most medical professionals. And I think the, honestly, the issue is just that it becomes like a routine day in their yeah. life, you know? So it's just, yeah. I don't know. It's hard, yeah. but it, it is what it is, I guess. And it's just, it's scary, but yeah. So you get in, you finally make your way into this room after you have a nervous breakdown, um, which isn't funny. I'm not laughing at that. Um, It's kind of funny. It's a little bit funny that that's what it had to take to get me. (laughs) Right. It's like me being like, no, I'm literally going to poop my pants here. And they're like, oh shit. Okay. We're going to go. Like, (laughs) yeah. So you get into this room and they start inducing you. And then how does it go from there? Um, Okay, so honestly, like this is this is really a product of the birth trauma, but I have suppressed a lot of mm. this stuff. So when I go back and like try to remember this, it's confusing and it's hard to remember lots of it. Yeah. Um so 
this is me just doing my best trying to explain this. That is just totally fine. Like, honestly, like, when it had started, everything was fine. I was upset because they told me that I couldn't do much moving around. Which, when you take those birthing classes, that's, like, a big thing. Is like, oh, you have these positions that you can do to, like, manage the pain. And I was like, well, shit, I guess I can't do those. Like, all of these things that I had, like, as a backup. Yeah. Oh, I can go in this position to make me feel better. It's like, no, sorry. Like, you kind of are kind of stuck here. Like, you you can move a little bit, but, like, you're attached to this. So, like, you can't really. Yeah. So, yeah. So, as time went on, like contractions got stronger obviously but um they couldn't keep Bowen's uh heart rate monitor on because he literally was like like freaking out like in a good way like they kept being like oh he's so happy he's just moving around like crazy he's such a strong guy like you know make me feel better but like like you know that monitor that they put on your belly that's like yeah doesn't stay on for the life of anyone like why does that even exist yeah there has to be a better way like there has (laughs) to be in 2020 (laughs) it's ridiculous it makes no sense but so that kept falling off because he would literally kick it off and they couldn't keep a heart rate on him and they can't up the medication unless they have like a steady heart rate because their heart rate can like go up and different things in reaction to the induction medication Okay. So the nurse said, okay, I'm not comfortable with um, us continuing this without having like a, like knowing what his heart rate is. And I'm like, yeah, that's cool and fine. So he had to get a scalp clip put on, which do you know what that is? No. It's like, it goes through your vagina and it's like a wire that's like a little tiny screw on the end and it screws into the baby's scalp. And it basically like it, it's just a more accurate way of getting their heart rate. So now I'm like attached to my IV and then I have something coming out of my crotch and wildly uncomfortable, by the way. I was going to say, like, that does not sound like a fun thing for either of you. No, not fun at all. Are those common? I don't know. know? I never heard of it before. Like, didn't know it was a thing until the nurse was like, yeah, I'm sorry, but you're going to have to have that. And I was like, What? Okay, well, if you are listening to this, message me on Instagram and let me know if you had this done because I have never heard of that. Yeah, it's it's weird. And so then I had to, like, I had to have that in me the whole time. So, like, now I'm even more bedridden at this point. And I'm just, like, I would ask, like, can I just, like, stand up and stretch my legs? And they're, like, no, because it'll pull out. And, like, we can't. We can't do that. I was, like, shit, whatever, like, whatever it is, what it is. And so, um, yeah, I don't know. It was just like things kept progressing. It was good besides things like that, that sucked. And like the normal labor things that suck. Right. Um, But like I was in labor for so long, it felt like forever. And I, they came up to me, they asked me if I want an epidural. And I said, well, I'm not sure yet. And they were like, well, it's now or never because the anesthesiologist is going to be busy so like you decide now and my brain is like okay well crap I need to do it then because I don't want to need it and then you know not so, have access to it yeah so I did it and it was actually like great <laughs> like epidurals are wonderful yeah <laughs> getting it done like I always told my husband it was like an out-of-body experience where it was like it was kind of like that pain that like feels good mm, like, yep you know where it was totally. like really painful, but it was like 
a good distraction Mm. and it was like counter pressure where I was like this is like kind of everything that I needed in my life (laughs) I feel like I feel like only moms are going to understand this what are you actually talking about just a needle in your back like yeah give me the epidural on just a random Wednesday yeah (laughs) just that counter pressure got you good that's so funny yeah so um yeah so we did that and it was funny because I was like watching my contractions on the screen I'm like I can't even feel those this is easy and then like a couple hours later it started not working at all so I had like really really bad back labor and I felt like my back was gonna break and it just was like unbelievable pain and I felt so ripped off that I had to get this epidural and then you know it wear off by the time you actually need it so whatever and I thought like in that moment that that was the worst pain I had ever had in my life like having my back feel like it was going to break like I am not exaggerating it was awful and basically like it was like that for a little while and that's how I knew that I was like in transition, you know, mm, like that, yeah. that classic thing of transition. And so at that point, the doctor came in and this was now the on-call doctor that was the one that was to deliver Bowen. Okay. And she came in, checked my cervix. I was at 10 centimeters, but Bowen was at minus one station, mm, which okay. is still quite high up. Like, I I don't remember what it is, but like when they're engaged in your pelvis, it's like plus two or something like that. You know okay. what I mean? Like, yeah. So he was like still pretty high up. And she said to me, okay, yeah, you're at 10 centimeters, but he's high up. So we're going to wait. So the game plan is we're going to wait for him to come down. And at this point, my contractions had like slowed down weirdly. And I think it's just because of this like medication and like, I don't know because it's artificial it just doesn't it's not like a natural progression right Right. so I would randomly have like a contraction every two minutes and then I would have one every five minutes and then I'd have one every 30 seconds and then I'd have one every 10 minutes like it was just stupid and um none of them were really that strong at that point besides that back labor that I was having and So she had told me we were going to wait and she instructed the nurse to do practice pushes with me. So the nurse said to me, okay, we're going to practice pushing for probably about half an hour. And like, this is not any pressure. It's just, so you get the feeling of like, what's going to happen, like what I want you to do, whatever. And we did it maybe three pushes in 10 minutes because I had like these contractions that had spaced out like crazy. Mm. And the doctor came in and she said, okay, it's time to push. Like we're doing this now. And I was like, oh, like I'm not ready. (laughs) And then she was like, yeah, but there's actually three other moms that are 10 centimeters right now. And you're all going to tell me that you need me at the same time. So you're going first. And like, she said, just like that. Like, I'm not even exaggerating. Like that was the tone of her voice. And the nurse was like, oh, like, her contractions aren't strong right now. Like, if you look on the screen, she's having, like, two every ten minutes. Like, she's not having those contractions of, like, one minute apart. Like, they're not strong. Like, this is not good timing. And she's like, 
we need to do this right now because there's other people waiting. And I was like, oh, okay. Okay. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So I didn't know what to do. Well, yeah. I just assumed that it would just be like similar to like what we were just doing, like these practice pushes. Like it's not that big of a deal. But like, I did not have that urge to push like what you were saying that you like felt that you're like, I need to do this right now. Yeah, I didn't have that. And I think that she thought probably because I had the epidural, she's like, Oh, well, you're not gonna be Mm. able to feel it. But it's like my epidural wasn't working. So like, yeah. And when you're having two or three contractions in 10 minutes, like you're not ready. You know, No. just, just the whole thing was like, messed. So she, sorry, you can go. I was just going to, I'm just like actually shocked at that. Um, okay. So you have your doctor who you have like your utmost, like, what's the word I'm looking for? Like trust in. Yeah. And then you have your nurse and your nurse is advocating for you. And your doctor's like, yeah, shut up. We're yep. doing it my way. Yep. She literally told the nurse, like, stop. Like, and I looked at my, my mom was there with us. And I looked at my mom when this had happened and I was just like, what is happening? Like, it was like, what are you supposed to do? It it was like shocking, honestly, because it's not even just me that she's talking to bad. She's talking to the nurse bad. And the nurse like gave me a look like, I'm so sorry, (laughs) you know, but like, then she couldn't do anything by that point. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because her mind was made up like it's what's happening is what's happening. Yeah. So And also I forgot to add this, but when... I, when the, the doctor, sorry, was coming in, I was just flipping onto my side because when I was on my side, I had stronger contractions mm. and because my contractions were so slow. The nurse was like, well, how about we try a different position? So I was just like turning onto my side when the doctor came in and she was like, go on your back. And I was like, well, can I just go on my side for like, to try and get these contractions strong again? She's like, nope. And I was like, okay. It's just like the opposite of what you're told, right? Like you're always told like, try these different positions get the baby engaged like bounce on a ball like all these things and like she was just like no go on your back and I was like okay go in like the most unnatural feeling (laughs) position and don't move because we're gonna hook a cord up your vagina yep exactly but we're gonna have this baby like it's gonna come out yep she's like it's coming out right now (sighs) and so I went on my back and she was like okay you're gonna push on your next contraction and I was like okay, but like, I'm not ready. Like, this isn't going to do anything. Like, we're going to be where we were (laughs) five minutes ago when I was doing this with her. And very first push, when the contraction started, she, I am not joking, shoved her entire hand inside of me. And it was shocking. She didn't like warn me. And like, you know, as like a female, when you get like pap smears and things like, Doctors are so, at least my doctor, I can't speak for all, like, but they're gentle and they warn you and they say, okay, I'm going to touch you now. I'm going to do this. Like, you You'll know, what pressure. Yeah. yeah. And she just like whole hand didn't tell me she was going to do that. And I assumed that we were doing what we were, I was doing previously. So out of like pure shock, I screamed at her and said, uh, don't like stop. And she's like, well, Taylor, that's the only way the baby's going to come out. So that's what needs to happen. And I was like, since when? <laughs> like, since I've never heard of this being a thing where you have to put your whole hand inside. Of you. Like, 
maybe after pushing for a while and the baby's like right there and you want to just like grab their head or something but like really you want him to come out and you're pushing him in like it made no sense and like yeah it was and just to be just to be a woman and like you're exactly right anytime I have ever had like I've had multiple procedures done they're just like okay, you're going to feel a touch. Okay, there's going to be... So to just be laying there and be like, boom, here's a hand in your vagina without being asked for consent is not okay. Like, I don't care if you, like, need that hand in there. You need to talk to me. Yeah, tell me that you're going to do it. Like, at least. Like, at least. Just tell me that that's what you're going to do. And, like, there's no reason why your entire hand needs to be inside of me. Especially in this scenario where nothing's happening. Like, I'm telling you, I have no contractions. We're just starting. It's like there was no purpose for that, obviously. And um, like I don't want to get like too graphic here, but like my mom told me that it was like instantly she saw just like blood. Like we you could tell that she had like ripped me from her hand. And it's just like unheard of. Like I've never <sighs> heard of something doing like something like that happening to someone. Oh my gosh. So and, like, that moment, I was now, like, okay, this is the worst pain I've ever had in my life. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so we, after that happened, she continued to do that, but at least I knew that she was doing it that time. Like, she just kept her hand in there, and at least I was, like, okay, I know that you're doing this. And, basically, she explained to me the reason why she was doing it is because she was, like, pushing down, and I don't know what that's supposed to do, but that's what she said she was doing. She was pushing down to help something. And so I basically was like, yeah, I was in shock and she told me to push. I pushed for three counts of 10 for each contraction. I had three contractions in 10 minutes and she, you could tell the whole time she was just pissed off, like pissed off that she was there. She made it seem like I wasn't trying, like you need to push harder. You're not even, you know, like, and I was like, my contractions aren't strong. I can't do anything. Like I'm pushing as hard as I can, but if my body's not doing it, I can't do it. Like you need to understand yeah. that. And so after three contractions and 10 minutes of her being in the room, she told me that we needed to use forceps. And ooh, ooh. yeah. And so I was like, no, no, we don't. She's like, yeah, we have to, because if you don't, we're going to be in here for hours and hours and we need to get this baby out right now. And in my mind, I'm like, is something wrong? Like, why does this baby need to come out right now? Because all of my other friends who had told me birth stories, it's like, I pushed for three hours. You know, like you have time. So I'm like, you've been in the room for 10 minutes. I've had three contractions and we have to use forceps. It's not like he's stuck. It's not like I'm in distress besides the fact that she put her whole hand inside of me. And that <laughs> caused some distress. But, like, his heart rate was fine. Everything was fine. So that was, like, the most confusing part. And, like, I looked at my mom and my husband. Like, I don't – like, what do I do? And they're both like, I don't know. And the doctor's just like, yep, yeah, we – you have to. And I was like, okay, well – is it going to hurt him? And she said, if anything, there'll be some scratches on his cheeks, but nothing else. And I, so like very reluctantly was like, okay, like 
I, You're I the professional. I'm yeah. supposed to trust you. Yeah. And like this moment is like one of the hardest parts for me to like relive in terms of like feeling a lot of guilt because in my mind, I'm like, well, you should have just not let her. You should have just said mm. no. But when you're in the moment and there's someone telling you this, that's a professional and you don't know what you're doing because this is your first baby. You're just assuming that they have your best interests in mind. Mm. So I reluctantly agreed. And I think that that obviously was the biggest mistake. And she put them in. And now that was the worst pain of life. And she put them on him. She did two pulls with no contractions. Like not, like it wasn't like she waited until I had contractions and then put them in. She just put them in after I was like, okay, fine. Instantly put them in. And she pulled like unbelievably hard twice. And I had... I was like 100% sure that he was out because I was like, like it was the most intense like pressure and pain of like something being ripped out of you. And so she pulled twice and she actually slipped and fell on the ground. And um, I had said to my mom, I was like, is he out? Is he out? She's like, no. And I was like, what like what just happened like what what do you mean he's not out oh my goodness and like talking to my husband afterwards like he had said at that moment because he said that like blood just like poured out of me and he was just 100% sure that she had crushed Bowen's head and that blood was Bowen and so he was completely convinced that he was dead and I had no idea what had happened. And so as soon as that happened and she had fallen, she had said, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. We'll do a C-section. And I was like, what are you talking about? We'll do a C-section. Like, what do you mean? What happened? Like, where? Like, what do you mean? And then she's like, well, are you going to keep pushing? And I was like, what do you mean? She's like, I'm going to have to put these back in you. And I was like, okay, no, do the C-section then. But like, I don't know what's going on. So, like, in the time that she had walked in the room, it was, okay, like, yeah, she walked in the room at 2.16 p.m. And by 2.34, she told me that I needed the forceps. And I was, like, within five minutes of that, I was getting a C-section. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. So, yeah. And before they wheeled me off into the C-section, they... She, she was like, okay, well, I need to, like, repair what I did here, I guess. So she started um, stitching me up. And it was just, like... So she, you ripped. Yeah. Yeah, I got from... a third-degree third tear from the forceps or her hand. I don't know. From something. I got a third-degree tear. Okay. So you experienced, like... There are a lot of moms who don't even tear during pregnancy, and I know our bodies are all different, yeah. but you went through, like, one of the highest degree tears from her strictly. It had nothing to do with Bowen. Yeah. He didn't even come out that way. Not even a little bit. 
like his head I asked my mom like could you at least see his head nope not even close like nothing there oh my gosh yeah okay so So, you go for a c-section yeah and before before I go for the c-section she starts stitching me up and she um is doing it like so haphazardly and like probably frantically because she probably realized oh I messed up big time and I need to like quickly do this and as she's stitching me up she cuts me with the scissors on my leg and the nurse was like you just cut her leg and she's like it's fine and she had to stitch up my leg so like oh my god just the most absurd like it just like keeps going and like in hindsight that's like super minor but like what but not like when you just like are re-going through all this you're like there's just like so many things so many things so many things yeah oh my gosh okay let's get into when bowen comes out because this i feel like when you and I were chatting, I feel like Bowen was kind of almost like a representation of your trauma. Like he for sure was, but I'm yeah. just like, if you would have had a baby that was completely healthy, mm-hmm. maybe it wouldn't have been so traumatic. I I kind of doubt that, but now Bowen has been affected by this. Yeah, 100%. You're 100% right. So he... Once he came out, and unfortunately, the person that did my C-section was this same doctor. So, which is funny because it seems like her plan of trying to get this to go fast obviously didn't work because now she's doing my surgery. (laughs) Yeah, like seriously, like sucks to be you, lady. Like didn't work out for her at all, really. Um, And we had no idea what was happening. Like nobody was telling us what the concerns were. And I think it's because no one really knew besides maybe her. And she obviously didn't want people to think it was her fault. So he came out and instantly I was like, they sent Jeremy over to like, you know, when you get, did you have a C-section at all? I did with Reese. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I thought you did. But like, did they bring her over to your face? Like while Um, you were in there? Well, they like took her away to the NICU team to work on her and then they did for a minute. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So every time I've seen people have C-sections, it's like, you still have like that picture, right? Where mm-hmm. like you have the screen and you can't hold your baby, but like it's a picture of your face and the baby, like, you know what I mean? Yeah. And so I'm like sitting there after he comes out being like, where is he? And they tell Jeremy to come over and they, I don't know how long it was, obviously, because I was like completely out of it but it seemed like forever and I never heard him cry I never like you know and I asked the I think it was the anesthesiologist that was beside me but I honestly don't know I asked him like is he okay what's happening and he would not answer me and like in that moment I was like okay he's dead like there's no Mm. there's no way that like you wouldn't just say he's fine if you know what I mean like yeah and that they called Jeremy over but Jeremy didn't come back and like tell me and I was just like what is happening and it's just like the most unbelievable feeling and I'm sure that you felt the same way with like where you can't even like look to see Mm -hmm. what's happening and it's just like you're just trusting that things are happening behind the scenes yeah um so yeah I don't know it was it was a lot and they took Bowen wrapped him up like super tight so I could only see like tiniest little bit of his face 
and they actually had taken me out on to the recovery room and I still hadn't seen him and then they quickly like oh showed him to me they're like here he is um we're gonna take him down to the NICU just to check him over uh don't worry about it we're just gonna take him and I was like okay I don't think that people take babies to the NICU to check them over quick one two <laughs> yeah, like sorry but that's not a thing especially because the NICU team was there already so th- he would have already gotten checked over <laughs> yeah exactly yeah so uh they took him away and um he had actually passed um my my parents and my in-laws were in the waiting room and so when they were wheeling him down they saw him for a second which was a little bit upsetting to me because I didn't get to see him yeah and like I saw him for like half a second but they got to see him better than I did yeah for the first time. but whatever and um my mother-in-law had asked the doctor like the doctor that delivered him she said is this have does this have to do with the forceps she said no not at all like there's nothing wrong with him they're just taking him down they're just checking him like don't worry and so it was just like a lot of like things like that like I don't know like nothing was clear didn't know what was happening and then they took him away and then I was in the recovery room by myself which this was probably the same as you Mm -hmm. Reese was taken to the NICU right yeah so it's just like such a weird feeling (laughs) where you're just in this room by yourself there is no feeling like no other time in my life have I felt what I felt when I laid there with both of my kids where they like whisk them away and you're left laying there. And it's like, it's just chaos around you. And that's when I had that out of body experience. And I can literally remember looking down on myself and being like where the f is everyone like what is happening why am I left here there was not a single person around me and I was just like what next yeah like where do we go from here yeah I know exactly what you're talking about like down to that out-of-body experience where you're just like like you don't even feel alive like I know like it's the strangest feeling that you could never understand unless you've been there like honestly it is that alone is traumatizing like that by itself is beyond traumatizing and it's crazy that people don't talk about that I know I feel like we could get into like an entire next episode with um and we should do that like bring you back for like an episode on like Bowen's NICU journey and like Mm -hmm. what it all entailed but in the short of it can you tell us like what why he was in the NICU um because I really want to get into talking about like that after yeah life if that makes sense yeah, <laughs> after <sure>. life after <laughs> NICU <Yeah>. life <laughs> yeah. so basically he long story short like there was so much leading up to this of like like not being able to see him doctors telling us different things nurses telling us oh. tests like random crap like that but we discovered that he after he got a CT scan um he had bilateral skull fractures so one on each side of his head and a brain bleed and they weren't overly concerned about the brain bleed thank the lord because that could be yes worse um 
but yeah, so he had the two fractures and usually when this type of thing happens, they refer to them as like ping pong ball fractures. Like if you were to like break a ping pong ball and it's got that indentation. Oh, okay. Um, but his was actually worse than that. And they didn't have like a classification for that. So they often used like that type of term to describe it, but it, it was worse than that. Oh so my gosh. when we were in the NICU, it was essentially just waiting to see if he had brain damage. So oh my goodness. it was just monitoring his movement, monitoring his feeding, monitoring like everything to see like how it. he was essentially. Yeah, exactly. Like, and they were concerned, not even just about like small things. Like it was like, oh, we need to see if he can lift up his left arm or like if he can look upwards or if he can turn his neck, like just those big, like gross motor things that you would never think of. Totally. Yeah. And once they ruled that out, thank the Lord that that was not the issue. Um, he was throwing up with every feed, which was another indication of some sort of brain damage. So we weren't able to leave until it had been at least 24 hours without him throwing up. So it was so freaking stressful because that was just like the thing that was like, it's such a small thing, but like such a but big thing. But it's not. <laughs> like, when you're sitting there waiting to take your baby home after a very traumatic birth, I can relate to that so much. And every time you fed him, I bet you were sitting there holding your breath being like, don't do it. Like, yeah. don't do it. Yeah. I know. And there was times, honestly, where like he would like, minorly have like a little spit up and we would like try and hide him you know what I mean? know. Like, you're just like you're like no nope, it off happen. Like, yeah and they, I would, they would find out within like a couple minutes because they're watching they know and like yeah that makes me sound like an awful mom but like no you know what I mean like, just, I feel like that is like the only like only NICU moms get that the yeah. amount of times we'd be sitting there and like a monitor would go off and we would all just like look and we'd be like there's no nurses around and you just be like button. yeah like silence okay yeah. continue no they're good like yeah, no Braddy's here that was nothing yeah, oh. it's totally a thing that oh, I don't know it's yeah but so you guys yeah. went home after a week you spent an entire week in there um basically trying to figure out if or if he didn't have brain damage from the negligence that took place in giving birth to him. I I really don't want to cut that short because that is like not an easy thing. Like I cannot imagine that. But one thing that you do like so beautifully is talk about mental health and um, like why you share your story and why you advocate. So what from kind of from your heart, like, why do you share this with people? Um, honestly, to begin with, it was strictly for Bowen. And it was because I was horrified that something like this could happen to a baby. Mm. Like a completely innocent, like has n never experienced anything in life, like how that could possibly happen. Like, it's not just accident territory it's like negligence territory like what you said like it's not so that was the main reason to start with was because of that um but honestly as he began to heal it turned more into um advocating for myself mm -hmm. and 
the stuff that happened to me as well, because I spent a lot of time um, kind of suppressing that because Bowen was hurt. And I'm sure same thing with you. You probably have done the exact same thing with your sick babies is that the trauma that happened to you, you mm-hmm. seem, it doesn't seem like as big of a deal because your baby's sick and you yeah. put them before you. And that's just like the classic mom thing. Like you will always do that for the rest of your life. Yeah. And it's, it's hard to put yourself in the scenario of, yeah, I actually had a hard time too. And And I think too, with that, and I think you just said that so beautifully, when you can see the physical pain that they're in, it's somehow, and I think that's part of like the stigma around mental health maybe is that we somehow suppress our own feelings because it's mental. Totally. Right? Like I used to look and be like, well, look at my kids. Like they are covered in tubes and wires and and we're sick. And my issues in air quotation marks, you can't see them. I'm fine. I look fine to people. I can hide it. Right? Yeah. No, you're exactly right. And that's, it's, it's so sad that that's how that works, but you're exactly right. It's when you can see that physical, that physical representation of them being hurt your hurt Mm. does not equal theirs it's not the same so you can't you don't want to compare them it's not it's not the same um but the more that I share about this the more I realize that other people go through this all the time and like it might not be the exact same as me and it might not be the exact same as you but it's either way extremely important for people to recognize that they had this trauma happen to them and that they have these feelings Mm -hmm. and it's hard because when you think back to like the doctor who did this it's like she probably just went home and lived her life normally you know and I go home and I wonder how I'm supposed to live another day because I can't look at my son because it hurts me to look at him and just things like that where it's like that is not how I want to live I don't want to live feeling like I um I caused hurt to my son I don't want to feel like I'm the reason why he had a bad start to life Mm. I don't want to be I don't want to believe those things and so that's like I don't know a lot of it honestly is selfish <laughs> with my nope. because nope I oh uh, I so relate to you <laughs> I so relate to you but I you know what as you're saying this Taylor I'm like you know what's going to happen is there's going to be a mom who is listening to this and they're unfortunately going to go through something similar and they're going to have the knowledge from you and the um, confidence to say, no, I don't feel okay with this situation. I would like to speak with someone else, please. Yeah. Right. And I think that like that with you sharing all of this, I just think that you are, you're changing so many futures for not only babies, but for moms, because birth trauma is not an easy thing. Like it is not. Um, I've walked it. You have walked it. You are, you're still in the trenches of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that like with you sharing this, yeah, sharing about it because of Bowen, I think that's how we all start. Yeah. Right. I think that we want the best for our kids. And 
I know for me, it was almost a way of honoring them and saying like, I see you, I see the pain that you're in, but it's not selfish of you to advocate for this because you deserve that healing that comes with it too, right? I, I'm so proud of you for doing that because it's not easy. It really isn't. Well, thank you for that. I really appreciate that. It's like, honestly, though, like so much of it is like um, me sharing because I've wanted to connect with people mm-hmm. and like longing for having some sort of like someone who feels similar to me because mm-hmm. when you just continually like see the Facebook posts and the Instagram posts of people like like what we talked about earlier before we started filming like where people had great births and it was beautiful and now they have their beautiful healthy baby and they got to have that skin to skin time and they got to try to breastfeed and they you know like it's just that's all I saw honestly that's all that I saw besides like a few few things here and there but were never shared about mm-hmm. and I just frankly needed some sort of person to relate to me mm-hmm. you know like, I feel that so much yeah so that's why I appreciate exactly what you're doing here because honestly like people don't understand unless they hear it like they really don't And that's the thing. And you and I have said this a lot tonight and a lot before we started recording is that it's not something you ever wish upon people, right? Mm -hmm. Like the stories that are shared here, I don't wish it on anyone. A lot of like the, the hard part of it, but I also didn't have a lot of, I had no friends that had ever been through the NICU. And so I felt really alone in that sense where a lot of my friends have kids but they couldn't understand. And that's okay because they hadn't walked that road. But being able to connect with people who know that hard and maybe their situation is completely different, but maybe there's a mom out there who, you know, just got a new diagnosis for their little one and they have that helplessness feeling that you and I both have. You can connect with them on a very deep level. Totally. Totally. Like even between our two stories that are completely different, Mm -hmm. it's, like the amount of things that we've talked about that are like same, 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 same. Yeah. Like, you yeah. know, it's unbelievable because you, and you wouldn't know that unless we had these conversations. So yeah, that's the cool totally. thing about it. Well, I literally, I've had goosebumps. I've had tears. I've laughed like this has been such a fun episode to record. If you had the chance, actually I'm giving you the chance. So now that you have the chance, what is one thing Um, that you would say to a mom that has experienced that traumatic birth? Hmm. Well, honestly, number one, it's not your fault. I think that the first thing that we do is blame Mm -hmm. ourselves, whether it's our bodies, whether it's a choice that we made or a decision that we made. Um, But it's not your fault. And yeah, that honestly, that's that's the main thing because that's the number one thing I've struggled with is just so much guilt, and yeah, and also the other thing would be just knowing that you're and it sounds cheesy, but like you're genuinely not alone because yeah, even that. in like a situation like mine that's like completely unique, like I don't know anyone that's had something similar. It's still like the amount of people that have reached out to me saying that they have had trauma is unbelievable. Mm -hmm. And I just want to like 
preface the fact that when most people message me, they start off by saying, I had a traumatic birth as well, but it wasn't nearly as bad as yours. And I just like want that part to be removed. And everyone understand that like your story is your story. And you need to acknowledge the fact that your trauma was your trauma. Mm-hmm. And it was hard for you. And I think that it's like very prevalent with first time moms because you're just told that birth sucks. It's going to mm-hmm. hurt and you're probably going to tear and probably bad things are going to happen and it's not going to be fun. But so you just, you, you don't know how to advocate for yourself and you don't know yes. that things can be different. Yes. And I don't know. That's just, yeah. I, I love that. I think that advocating for yourself is such a hard thing to do. Well, that wasn't the smartest sentence. I have a few thoughts going through my head. But advocating for yourself, it takes a lot. It takes a lot. I know even for me just going through the NICU, like advocating for my kids was one thing. Advocating for myself, that's a whole nother level. So you are currently going through um, a process right now of um, filing like a formal complaint. Yeah. Correct? Yes. I also just wanted to touch on that and and we don't necessarily need to get into details if you don't want to, but that is necessary. Mm -hmm. Things are not going to change. Like women are not going to stop being completely like dehumanized in their birth experiences if that doctor continues the way that she does. And it takes a lot. And I know that you've said like it's taken you a long time to be able to kind of get to the place to begin this process because I'm sure it is lengthy and hard, Um, but it's important. And again, that's something that I am very proud that you're doing because that is creating change. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's um, and I've heard this from multiple people that have done the complaint process as well, is that um, everyone wishes that the person before them did the complaint. So in terms of like my situation where I had gotten to the point a few times where I'm like, you know what? I'm not going to do the complaint because it's not worth my sanity to do it. Mm. But then I've put myself in that situation and thinking about how I wish that any person before me who had a bad experience with this doctor put in a complaint so that they add up, they would actually make a difference. Um, because I'm in this Facebook group that is a um, birth advocacy group for maternal rights in Saskatchewan. And I asked in it, I was like, has anyone actually done a complaint and received like something from it? Like not received, that's a bad word, but like, has anything come from it? Like has a doctor been held responsible? And most of them said, honestly, not. And it's because of things like that. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. if only every once in a while somebody complains about something, it really won't make that much of a difference. Um, but I've talked to a few different moms lately who have told me that they had um, traumatizing experiences and they didn't think they were that big of a deal. But now mm. looking back on it, they are like, oh, maybe that wasn't right. And now they're like, oh, maybe I should do that complaint just to help the next person. Yeah. What I mean? Well, and that's the thing. And we've kind of talked about that before where you just, you don't know, especially as a first time mom, like 
shit is just happening and it's really fast and it's uncomfortable and there's just a ton of decisions to be made. So I can 100% see that where you come out of it and you're just like, holy crap. But then I also think, like I had mentioned before, if your baby wasn't affected by it, it's kind of like, well, phew, dodged a bullet, like life goes on. Right. Whereas unfortunately with little Bowen, that wasn't the case. Exactly. Yeah. There was literally a mom that I actually went to high school with her and I didn't know her very well, but we follow each other on Instagram and she had her baby shortly after me, like a couple months later. And we were messaging the other day and she had the same doctor and she had almost the exact same scenario. It's just that her baby didn't get hurt from it. Yeah, exactly. So it was just like that kind of fired me up because I was like, I had this like part in my mind where I was like, at least the fact that she did this to me and my son, she will never do this again. She knows she made a mistake. This will never happen to another mom again. And then to hear that like four months later, she did the same thing. It's just that her baby hurt. It's like, clearly something needs to change here. Yeah. Well, thank you for being that voice and thank you for being here. Um, I know that there's a lot of moms in our Instagram community that are really excited for this episode, not because it happened to you, but just because they have had similar experiences or they have friends that have. Um, So just really grateful that you were here tonight. Well, thank you so much for giving me the chance to tell this story because honestly, I've probably told this story to like four people (laughs) in total, like (laughs) start to finish. So it, it's really nice to especially talk to someone that has been through similar issues even though our stories are different but yeah it's really connect with you over this so yeah for having me like I appreciate it so much you don't even absolutely well happy to do it make sure that you guys if you are listening you come over to the messy mama pod on instagram we have some really big changes happening and some really fun stuff happening um so we will see you there at the messy mama pod